in the breaking, when we are humble, when we are that empty clay vessel, God comes in with his spirit and fills us, makes us useful for his kingdom. He came to give us life and life abundant. If we think about the decimation that our sin has caused, why would we not want this newness of life that the Spirit brings into us? Why would we want anything other than this bountiful joy? When we realize just how high God's expectations are for us, and when we see how weak we are, there can be a strong temptation to just give up. We think maybe living in victory is impossible. But this isn't true. God knows that we can't be free from sin in our own strength and that we can't live a holy life without his power. But he's not asking us to do it on our own. He has promised us a marvelous gift, a gift that gives us the power that we don't have to live a victorious life. Today we look at the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit on Purity for Life. When we begin to realize that the key to a successful Christian life is walking in the power of the Spirit, that is a freeing revelation. But many people are really confused about what it actually means to walk in the Spirit. So we brought in the director of our Overcomers at Home program, Jordan Yoshimine, into the studio to help us understand from a biblical perspective what it looks like to walk in the power of the Spirit. So I've been struck by something recently as I've been reading the Bible, which is that God has promised to give us the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like even before Jesus came, you've got the prophets that are pointing forward and saying something's coming. There's a gift available to us. God himself is going to give us the Holy Spirit. And I guess I was just reflecting on the idea that if we really grasped that that God was willing to give us his Holy Spirit, that it would just, you would think it would just revolutionize our lives. Oh, certainly. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. And it's amazing how God works and orchestrates events in our lives. You know, this morning in my quiet time, I was reading John 14 and there's some uh, two passages or snippets out of there that talk about the Holy Spirit, one being John 14, 15 through 17, and I'll just read it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, who you can, I'm already crying, I can't believe it, (laughs) whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And those are just amazing, amazing promises that he will dwell with us. He is with us, but even more than that, he dwells in us. Yeah. And and that he'll teach us all things. Like, we don't have to strive 
in our own effort and our self-effort to look for him. He's going, no, just wait on me. I'll teach you. Look mm-hmm, to my word. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you. He's available through the spirit, right. through his wisdom and discernment. Yeah. He's going to do that. But the thing that really kind of caught my attention in in these two verses or these two snippets was the qualifier is if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm. Obedience is, mm. a, is a key component. Mm-hmm. And then um, Romans 8, 9 through 17, um, before I came to pure life, this always excited me. It's, you know, um, verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of sla- slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And man, that's such a one, again, a a wonderful prompt, you know, okay, if I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm a son, the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm... I'm his. Mm-hmm. I've been adopted into his family. I'm an, not not just a child, but an heir, a co-heir mm-hmm, with Christ. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Right. And then, you know, you go verse 9 through uh, nine through 14. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, mm. anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Again, that dwelling in. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. Right. And there's the key. But to live... Uh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But mm-hmm. if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, people want to cut out what we have to do and just sure. put, give us the good. Oh, you're a son, you're you're sure. a, you're an heir, you're a co-heir. And I've I've heard that portion of Romans 8 many times. But I've not heard, oh, but you have to die to your flesh, Sure. right? Yeah. And so it's like, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I live in the Spirit? Well, there's that death, death to self, death to the flesh. Yeah. One thing I have wondered about is how often people are even thinking in terms of, I need the power of the Spirit in order to um, overcome sin. Like, I wonder if you got 100 people in a room... That, that have been in sexual sin for 20 years and say, why are you still in sin? Why don't you have freedom? I wonder how many of them would even think, well, because I don't know how to walk in the power of the Spirit. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> unfortunately, what's happened um, when the words the Holy Spirit are brought up, there's kind of two extremes mm. in the church today, mm-hmm. uh, one that is all... Um, gifts oriented, signs, gifts, miracles, healings, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, words of knowledge, all of that. Uh-huh. And so then, and they leave out, you know, 
significant portion of the gospel, and or if you want to go to Romans eight, dying to the flesh. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. they're like, how come I'm still in sin? I'm I'm seeing God doing all these miracles. I'm healing. I'm doing all these sin, and they don't understand. They don't really understand the true meaning of what it means to walk in the spirit, because all they think of is the external. The yeah. external, and then on the flip side. In direct opposition to that kind of teaching, you have people um, who will say um, they almost completely remove any teaching about the Holy Spirit to, air quotes, safeguard their flock against any kind of leaning or starting to lean in that direction. right, right. Not that they don't teach about the Holy Spirit, but they, they minimize the impact and the effect of the Holy Spirit under the guise of safeguarding their flock. Okay, uh-huh. And there's a certain amount of that that there's truth to that, but I think a lot of churches will take that to the extreme and right. just say, okay, we're, you know, talk about Jesus, talk about God. Right. You can talk about the Holy Spirit, but only in the context of... X, Y, and Z, because uh-huh. we yeah. don't want people to get you know off base or whatever. Yeah. When you deal with guys who come into the uh, residential program who haven't really been taught that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us to help us to live a holy life, you know, that's interesting, Holy Spirit, we should live a holy life. If he's in us, we're going to live holy right? Um, because he is holy. When you have guys coming in who aren't really thinking in terms of walking in the power of the Spirit, what things have they tried to substitute his power with to help them overcome? Like I said previously, I, hey, I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving words of knowledge. I'm, I'm participating in deliverance, casting demons out, or I'm speaking in tongues. And, and so they think they're okay. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. other side is like, okay, I showed up at church, I, I'm an usher, I show up at small group, I tithe, right. I dress a certain way, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it becomes dead religion. But we both know Matthew 7, 21 through 23, you know, people are going to stand before the Lord someday and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Yeah. And so it's just so prevalent in the church day, not all churches, but the, I would say the general Western church culture that it's so easy to avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit by either getting in dead religion or getting into this hyper spiritual signs gifts. And neither one of those is going to, on judgment day, is going to get you, in, you know, into heaven. Mm-hmm. It's not you're not going to spend eternity with the Lord. Um, the Bible makes it very clear. You know, it says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other mm-hmm. to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law." Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that Mm. those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to describe the fruit. But then after that, verse 
24 says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh mm-hmm. with its passions and desires. Mm-hmm. You want to know how to live, you know, a spirit-filled life. You want to walk in the spirit. You have to crucify your flesh. Mm-hmm. And and it says, if we, verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also in, keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, f- more flesh. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is, when people aren't being taught about self-denial, and when they're not being taught about turning away from sin, they're never going to know and experience the power of the Spirit. Right. So they wonder what's missing, but the first step of that process has been left out, and so they don't know His power and His right. presence in their life. Right, and they're wondering why they're having no victory. Uh huh. You know, uh, while I'm I'm going to church, I'm doing all these things, and they're like, but they're not. The key component of that is, I mean, repentance. Sure. But it's an understanding that it's my flesh. It's me. I'm right. the problem. It's like I'm giving myself completely over that, and that it just says clearly in Galatians five that I will not inherit the kingdom. Yeah. So I'm not. If I'm doing all these things regular. I'm practicing these things, sure. then I'm not going to inherit the kingdom. So right. it's like, but this is available to you if you crucify, it says, if you crucify the flesh. So if a person's saying, that fits me, I have been practicing these sins, I have not been crucifying my flesh, I have not been repenting, and they want to begin to do that repentance and crucifixion of the flesh, where do they start? Well, I mean, in the Word of God, you know, you got to get in the Word and really examine it for yourself. That's what happened when I came to the residential program in 2010. It's like, okay, I've been in church most of my life. I could go call myself a Christian and never, you know, I was so shocked when there was all these verses on sexual immorality. I'm like, oh, okay, where, where were those? Yeah. But I never opened my Bible and really read or uh-huh. didn't ask the Spirit to illuminate right. the Scripture to right. me. Um, yeah, that would be one thing. But John um, the Baptist said in John 3.30, I must decrease and he must increase. It's mm. like that constant daily saying, Lord, uh, I must decrease, you must increase. The only way that there's going to be more of the Holy Spirit in your life is if there's a decrease in the self-life. And so right. it's uh, so it is that, okay, Lord, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, yep, yep. I, have, I don't know how many podcasts I've done, but I'm sure I've mentioned that <laughs> at least 90% of them. Um, you know, allow the Lord, search me, O oh God, test yep. my anxiety, right. see, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And it's like, Lord, expose what needs to be exposed? Okay, if Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 21 is telling me that I, you know, I need to crucify my flesh, then expose those areas of my life mm. where I'm living a fleshly, ungodly life. And for mm. me, it was my whole life. You know, it was everything I was doing was in the flesh. There was no Jesus in it. So it was like very painful but mm-hmm. also very liberating. You know, the, mm-hmm. um, John 8, 32, mm-hmm. the truth will set you free. Man, when I understood that I was the problem, that my flesh, that my desire to live a fleshly life and not a godly life was keeping me from overcoming my sin, right. over having the power of the Holy Spirit live in me, living in victory, yeah, it was just revelatory. It was crushing. But then on the other side, when you repent and turn from that, then... The fruit of the Spirit is now available to you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm going to start walking in the spirit, and those things will just naturally start being produced. Mm. It's pretty amazing. You will begin being more patient. There will be more love in your heart for others. There right. will be more gentleness and faithfulness, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. self-control, big one for people in sexual sin. Right, right. The gift of the Holy Spirit is an absolute game changer because now we're not left to ourselves. Now we have God living and working inside of us and he can do everything. Now the truth is, there are people who experience more of the Spirit's presence and power. And you know what we've seen? We've seen that it's those who are the most broken, the most convinced of their neediness, and the most full of humble faith. It's these ones who experience the most of the Spirit's tremendous power to redeem and deliver. They're allowing the Spirit to do all of His work inside of them, even the painful ones, the disciplining, the cleansing, the purging. But then they also find Him justifying, empowering, leading, and helping them triumph over their temptations and sins. We wanted to share with you the story of one such young man. Listen to Landon's story. I grew up in a blessed Christian home. Being adopted made me feel unwanted. So at a young age, I learned how to hide my hurt behind a big personality and deception. At the age of eight, I was exposed to pornographic photos and self-gratification. Thinking this would fill my empty, dark hole inside me, I indulged myself in this lifestyle while lying and sneaking around my parents. At the age of 15, I had my first interaction with a girl, which led to a three-year downward spiral out of control. I began sneaking out with girls, getting my way into clubs, and having multiple sexual relationships at a time. I hid this lifestyle for a while through my big personality, lies, and a fake church life. After moving out of my parents' house, I chased my dream of bull riding and gave myself completely over to my sexual sin, even involving myself in heavy drug usage and theft. However, the life of lies, sneaking, and deceit caught up to me when God used my mom to expose my life of deceit, and I knew I needed help. I showed up to Pure Life Ministries June 24, 2020, hopeless, depressed, and completely lost. My first month here was just me thinking I had gone too far to have any change in my life and thinking I would just always be this way. However, in my fourth counseling session, I was telling Skip about some of the hard, dark things I had been through in hopes that he would agree that yes, I was much too much of a mess for even God to fix. Instead, he had me turn to 1 Corinthians 4.6, which says, For God said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. It was at that moment that I saw how much Jesus had chased me through and how much darkness he had brought me out of to give me himself in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Filled with godly sorrow for the first time in my life, I began weeping in repentance, throwing myself into my father's arms again. This prodigal son had finally come home. From there, God began to show me what it meant to walk in a daily repentant life and what it really means to surrender my heart to him. My extreme amount of pride was exposed through the iBook and through realizing how much my thoughts revolved around me while working at radio. God showed me how little I feared him through the book When People Are Big and God Is Small. 
However, he showed me the cross each time and showed me that all my sin was forgiven if I would come to him in godly sorrow and repentance and gratitude. He saved me from hopelessness and gave me a reason to live for the first time ever. He showed me his love and mercy and brought me out of darkness to change my heart to live and to love him. God showed me how self-willed I was, and after repenting, he showed me that his will was mercy, and he wanted me to pour that mercy into others. I would like to thank Skip and the PLM staff for pointing me to the cross. I would like to thank my family for your prayers and never giving up on me. But most of all, I would like to thank Jesus Christ for saving me out of the deep, dark pit I was in and creating something new. It is only through you that I can truly sing. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a child of God. One aspect of living a spirit-empowered life that is unexpected to many Christians is crucifying the flesh nature. Paul alluded to its importance when he wrote to the Romans. He said, If by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. So the Holy Spirit has a ministry of helping us daily put sins to death, and as we cooperate with Him in this process, we also experience His life. But what does it look like practically to crucify the flesh? Jordan touched on it earlier, and it was a blessing to hear him talk about it, because he didn't realize that we'd already planned to talk with another of our biblical counselors about that very subject. It's really good to see the Lord connecting these things for us, and we want to give you some practical instruction. Well, I'd like to read something that Pastor Steve wrote. Many sex addicts plead with God for help to overcome their sexual addiction, but resist him when he begins to require change in other areas of their lives. They want him to come into their inner world and clean out the red light district, but they leave the movie houses, gambling halls, and comedy clubs. Was this true for you, Chris, in your own life when you were coming out of sexual sin that you just wanted one area of your life cleaned up and God leave the rest alone? I would have to say yes. Um, Yes, but I also knew having had decades of sin in my past, there was a lot more to do. Um, I'd already destroyed my family Mm -hmm. because of my sin, my rage. And I would say the the issue that has trailed me, and even past read to this day, says that I'll have to deal with it for the rest of my life, is rebellion. Because I rebelled against every authority in my life. My parents, obviously, but also my teachers, my coaches, employers, Mm. spiritual authorities, for sure. It's something you've been doing for a long time. A very, very long time. And when I looked into the word rebellion in the ESV, which is the version I mostly read, um, I saw there were only 16 verses that dealt with that word. But every time, it was a hugely severe Rebuke, And I think of the rebellion of Korah in the Old Testament when they stood and opposed Moses. And what did God do? He opened up the ground. He swallowed their families, their possessions, every Mm -hmm. single thing. So coming to PLM, sure, sexual sin was the obvious, blatant, outward, rebellious aspect of my life. But inward, there was a heart that was so full of of know-it-all pride and self-exalting pride Mm. 
that was a, the core issue in mm-hmm. my life that allowed me to say, yeah, I don't have to obey anybody, mm. least of all God. Mm. So when that sin became clear, okay, yes, we understand the sexual sin, but man, this this big, huge sin of rebellion that's lying underneath, this has to get dealt with. How did you begin to walk in the Spirit in that area? Yeah, that's a good question. It was a struggle. I had to get to a point where I literally walked down to the cross one day and said, okay, Lord, I've been in church for 20 years as a Pharisee. Mm. I thought I knew you, but it's very clear I've never known you as Lord of my life. Mm. And so I said, I'm going to throw out the last 20 years, and I'm going to start fresh with you today, and I pray you'll start fresh with me. So make me obedient, because I have never known obedience in my life. Mm. Coming here, the hardest thing for me to do was to hear my counselor talking to me, because he loved me and wanted to see change in my life, Mm -hmm. that I had to trust him that he knew the Word of God much I mean, he's a theologian. He knew the Word of God much mm-hmm. better. And I had to trust that he was giving me right information, that he himself was living a godly life. And so I trusted in him. I started to trust in the Word of God. And mm. slowly, over a period of six or seven months, I slowly s- started rebelling less and less. And mm. that took a period of months. Okay. And I had to surrender. And I would go to the bottom of our prayer trail and cry and bawl my eyes out yeah. before him. And he started to show me my sin. Hmm. And it just became worse. And it became worse. And how could I resist such a great salvation? Yeah. Well, this is good what you're saying, because the thing that I was hoping also to bring out in this interview is that we're not promoting a formula when it comes mm-hmm. to walking in the Spirit. It's not a just do this and then do this and then do this. You were talking about a process of, I think it sounds to me like it was daily, mm-hmm. hourly, just of that surrender of my will. I know that I have been wrong in the past, even though I've thought I've been right. Mm-hmm. I got to lay that down all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And failures, missteps, you know, there's all of that in that whole process of learning to walk in the Spirit. Um, Can you maybe explain a little bit about what it was like internally as you were going through this process? Well, you actually started to talk about it. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw it enacted just in my relationships with my brothers in the program. I looked at the younger guys at first as, you know, they don't know anything. They're 25 <laughs> yeah, they're years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they haven't experienced, I have experienced everything, right? No. And what I, what I realized God had to build into me was the one thing, one of the major aspects of a Christian walk that I had never done, which was mercy. Everything in my life had been about me. So I just started going to men and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Mm. And I saw that the more I did that, the more I stopped thinking about my needs and my problems. Um, It was so much easier to submit to God's Word and to watch it actually work in the lives of other men. That process of doing mercy 
changed my heart. In that first couple of months when you realized this area of rebellion and now you're thinking, okay, I've got to stop walking in the flesh. I've got to begin to learn to walk in the spirit. Was it was it discouraging at the beginning when you would see setbacks or when you would realize how strong and deep this sin really was? Yeah, definitely at first. The first few months were very hard because uh, my sin became very exposed in my heart. God was showing me the wickedness that had been in me. So there was a huge issue of asking him to forgive me and uh-huh. repenting, constant repentance. Oh, look at this. I did that. Oh, my goodness, I treated this person. And it was a constant video of all my past sins. And yeah, seeing, I would get angry. You know, I would rail against God. I would go to the farthest point of the prayer trail um, later than I should have and scream at him, why, why am I here? Why, have you, why do I have to go through this, right? But mm-hmm. I had uh, one verse that really – and James is a great book for anyone struggling with the flesh. But James one twenty one says, you know, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness – which is a humbling, Mm -hmm. the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Mm. I had to believe that he didn't bring me here just to mock me or to crush me. His Mm. point was Mm -hmm. to save me from myself. It took a long time for God, but he was very gentle. He didn't crush me all at Mm -hmm. once. He just kept pointing out, hey, you need to repent to this person. Hey, you need to stop doing this behavior. Mm-hmm. Don't lord it over others. So, The thing that's sticking out to me is just how much God wants us to be like Jesus in every area mm-hmm. of our life. He's not looking at what we're looking at. We come and we say, oh, Lord, help me with this thing. And he's like a good father. He doesn't just see that one thing. He sees the the whole picture and he says, mm-hmm. I do want to help you and I am going to help you, but I have to help you in the way that I know is right, not yeah. in the way that you think is right. Right. We we have a teaching that's, that's uh, titled, uh, When Mercy Seems Cruel. And I have to look back. Everything God did through my program was mercy. Everything was for my good. Um, Psalm 119 says, you are good and you do good. Yeah. And every time he puts a test before us, it's so that we can see, am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? You know, uh, Paul talks a lot about uh, circumcision. And he says a Jew is not one who is circumcised outwardly, right. but it's a circumcision of the heart. Yeah. And he is always after our heart. Mm. Jesus came to change our hearts and our minds. That cross that stands before us at all times is to transform us and take our heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. And in that, he can mold us, he can make us. And I had almost six decades of unrighteousness that he had to cleanse out of me. And to think, yes, was it hopeless? Oh, it looked hopeless. It looked impossible. But he's just a faithful giver, constantly Mm -hmm. giving mercy to those who don't deserve it, like me. Yeah, amen. I'm glad what you said about 
it seemed impossible. It looked impossible. And when you were talking about the being broken, you know, in our minds, often we think, well, if God breaks me, then I'm going to be messed up, miserable, I'm not going to be able to function. But it's obvious from listening to you speak that that's not right. The breaking makes us whole. Yes. Yeah. In the breaking, when we are humble, when we are that empty clay vessel that we talk about, God comes in with his spirit and fills us, makes us useful for his kingdom. We no longer worry about self. Paul said, forgetting what was behind, but striving to what lies ahead. His focus was to work for Christ if by any means he would attain the resurrection. And yes, that's a future fulfillment for sure. But it says he came to give us life and life abundant. Mm -hmm. And if we think about the decimation that our sin has caused, Mm -hmm. why would we not want this newness of life that the Spirit brings into us? And why would we want anything other than this bountiful joy, this inexpressible joy. And can I say honestly that it's all the time? No, because I'm in the flesh, and Paul says we will never be perfected in this flesh. We will constantly see our sin and our struggles brought before our eyes. But there is victory. We walk in the Spirit. We do not give in to the desires of the flesh. And so it's a conscious choice and and it really, for me, it came down, Nate, to the point where looking at the struggle, looking at all the hurt and the pain that was being dredged up, I had to determine in my heart, is Jesus Christ worth this? Mm. Is he enough? Mm. Is he sufficient for me? Or am I going to just want to go back to watching uh, pro football, uh, looking at porn, um, having my big self-life, riding horses? Yeah. No, because all that... As we look to the cross, it becomes so much less important. And how could we not glorify God in our bodies, as Paul said, when we have seen how much we've been forgiven? I think my sin overwhelms me. It overwhelms me. I'm thankful there's repentance. It is one of the greatest joys of my life. Mm. I don't know how I could survive now knowing the wretchedness that exists within me, And being able to go to a brother and say, I've wronged you, I repent, please forgive me, and gain forgiveness, Mm. which is exactly what God has done when he says, I will cover all your sins. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Mm -hmm. Blessed is the man whose sins are covered, whose transgressions the Lord will not remember. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming in. That was good. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. I trust that you were encouraged by today's show and Chris's story in general because he showed us that dying to self is not the end. The end is being filled with the power of God. As we wrap up today's show, I want to remind you where we're at so far in our series. The whole premise is that real, deep, spiritual victory is available if we'll do it God's way. And what is his way? We've seen so far that it's the way of constant pursuit after holiness. It's the way of always seeking a deeper fellowship with Christ. Oh, but then we begin to realize, I can't do this on my own. I don't have the resources I need. I need Him. And then we find 
that he has made a way for us to have him. As we die to ourselves and follow him, he's promised that we would be increasingly filled with his life. But now we need to start asking some additional questions. What would it look like to be filled with God? What would change if God was dwelling powerfully in our hearts? Well, to answer that question, we need to take a look at God himself. We need to understand who he is and what he is like. We're going to park here for the next few shows because we want to take a long look at God. We want to find out what he is like so that we can begin to allow him to live his life through us. Next week, we're going to start by looking at God's good and merciful character. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.